Okay. Alana Slot Stern, Thrive with ADHD. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman. Advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone Personal Organization. And today I am talking to Alana Slot Stern from Thrive ADHD. So many of my clients have a problem with ADHD. I wanted to take the time to figure out what are some of the signatures of ADHD in women? How can we move forward with ADHD? And what exactly is an ADHD coach? So I invited Alana Slot Stern to come on the podcast and tell us what she does, how it's different from what I do, though you may want to hire us in tandem if you're really stuck, and how to thrive with ADHD. Alana is a life coach specializing in adult ADHD, especially the distinct ways that it manifests itself in women and teenage teenage girls. She works with women experiencing overwhelm, disorganization, and a sense of chaos. Together, they work to streamline life, building habits and routines to create more headspace and energy. She also exposes her clients to ADHD-friendly brain hacks for for getting stuff done so that they can get back to running their lives rather than having it run them. Her journey to ADHD coaching developed through her 20 years experience in education. A remedial reading teacher, Alana is also founder and CEO of the Learning Circle English Center, which offers foundational reading skills, skills instruction to young English speakers. She is a mother of four, at least two of whom have been diagnosed with ADHD. Alana coaches from her clinic in Modine or virtually via video conferencing and runs workshops on various aspects of self-management. Welcome, Alana Slotstern. Thank you so much for having me. I am so glad you're with us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started as an ADHD coach? Sure. Um, so I'm a mom of four kids. We said at least two we know have ADHD. Um, I made Aliyah 17 years ago from South Africa. And um, there's a few things that sort of came together that led me to, to find ADHD coaching as a profession. On a personal level, we said um, the diagnosis of two of my kids have uh, led me to read up more about it. And on a professional level, um, in the educational field, I was familiar with uh, various learning challenges, but I still felt frustrated that I couldn't reach and teach my students with ADHD. So um, then about five years ago, I um, hired a life coach for myself for a personal issue. And I was so impressed with the process and how effective it was that when I heard that ADHD coaching is an actual thing, um, I was really excited to learn more about that. <laughs> That's funny that you said that, that it's like an actual thing. People right. Are, when people hear that about what I do, they're like, That's a thing. I'm like, Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> um, so let's, right. let's talk about the difference between what you and I do. So I go mm-hmm. to people's homes and I help them clear out their clutter. I also do online planning sessions with people so they can DIY the, the, like some of the decluttering processes. And, you know, when we're doing that, we, we make structure and targets and goals. And um, I'm, I want to be clear and explain the difference about what, what is the difference? What does a session right. with you actually look like? 
Well, okay. First of all, I think that one of the main differences is that you offer this on, what's this word, this um, hands-on uh, support on okay. site. You offer this on-site support. But um, if clutter is too much physical stuff and then and you help people clear that out, I like to look at what I do as helping people to clear out the clutter in their minds, okay. the disorganization in their brains. Um, so you, what would you do? You would go in, you would go to, let's say, a, a big closet and you would get uh, your client to haul everything out onto the table and then start, we'll start categorizing, organizing. So um, in my first few sessions, I would get my client to lay out on the table all the typically ADHD stresses in her life. Um, and then we would start to try and classify them and understand them. And then from there, work to simplify those, those challenges. We problem solve together um, using strategies that are suitable specifically for the ADHD brain. So um, the, in the coaching process, before I describe exactly what a typical session looks like, I just want to describe the two parts to the coaching process, which is typically 10 to 15 weeks, depending. Okay. Um, That's good that you so, mentioned that yeah. because sometimes people don't really understand how long it takes to yeah. refocus yourself. Right. So you estimate sure. between 10 to 15 weeks 15. At, at a minimum? Yes. Okay. Um, and... It's really important, though, to do also, I find it's really effective to meet once a week uh, so that you, they can feel the movement, the momentum going, and it's like kind of snowballs. One success leads to another. Right. So, so that's the thing with the meet, weekly meetings. Um, so the, the two parts to the whole process the, uh, is this. The first is self-awareness. Um, what I described about putting your challenges on the table and, and learning about them, that's just one part of it. And the other part is actually identifying personal strengths and values. And this is really important because later we're going to harness these strengths and, and the things that are important to, to the client in order to be more effective and have a more fulfilling lifestyle. Because anyone, including people with ADHD, they function best when they're functioning from a point of their strengths and when they're honoring their personal values. So, um, for example, um, to be more effective, we would look at ways to encourage, maybe you need to take on a little bit more work that you love and you're really good at in order to pay for a personal organizer or a cleaner that that's are one of your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So that's the first part is this whole self-awareness. And then the second part is identifying uh, maybe uh, three to five top goals okay. and, uh, and working on these goals one at a time. Uh, and while working th through these goals, uh, we learn effective self-management tools that are needed to, to achieve a goal like proactivity, planning, prioritizing, and time management. Um, very often, one of the first goals is creating an ADHD-friendly life, lifestyle, for example, uh, simplifying things that can be simplified, routines, habits to sort of streamline your life and, and make more headspace, more brain space. Mm -hmm. Because um, I, the hyperactivity in women with ADHD is usually, is often, into, it's the hyperactivity is in your brain. Okay. So the more you can clear out space in your brain, the more you can function on autopilot, um, the calmer your brain can be. Okay. Good so, uh, yep. 
and then a typical um, a typical session would look like uh, we'd start with evaluation of the homework task from the previous week because okay. coaching is very practical. So we have to practice the strategies at home. Uh, so we'll look at what went well, what went less well, what did they learn, and what can they do next time. And then um, the bulk of the session would be trying to move forward on a specific goal. Um, and a lot of the times this means breaking things up into a series of steps and then figuring out strategies and tactics for how to remain uh, motivated and engaged because that's the challenge with ADHD, um, not uh, to, to remain engaged from step one to the final step. Mm-hmm. And then we end off the sessions with a recap, um, significant insights or takeaways. We set a task for the next week and um, the vital step for success is before they leave the room, we anticipate what can get in the way of completing the homework task. And we try to brainstorm how we could overcome the obstacles. So you preempt the typical challenges that could occur before. So that's kind of an idea of, of uh, the coaching process and the, uh, a session. Excellent. Um, when we were doing our pre-interview uh, uh, mm-hmm. phone call and we were just chatting, something you said to me struck a chord. You said clutter is an expression of overwhelm. And right. I, I definitely feel that when I'm going into somebody's home and I just feel like all the stuff is overwhelming to them, their life is just overwhelming to them. Everything right just seems like too much. It's all like closing in on them almost. Um, Why is it so important for someone with ADHD specifically to minimize clutter? So as I see, as you said, clutter is where overwhelm kicks in big time. But um, because women with ADHD, they tend to internalize their, their challenges rather, for example, like a, a hyperactive little boy will externalize his, his ADHD by acting out, by, um, you know, by having anger issues, uh, by being very active. So women and girls, they tend to internalize it, which just makes overwhelm much more likely in their head. Mm-hmm. So I think that, um, I think for everybody, what is the, what is the benefit you get from having an orderly house, from having a clean house, right? Every, when, when I ask everybody, they always say it affects my mind. It affects, it gives me peace of mind. It gives me calm. I I can think better when everything, when my physical life is in order. So, um, so there's definitely a connection between physical order and order in the mind. Right. It's so true. Um, which so it that's a hundred percent true. I agree. Um, I, I can't even begin to tell you how many times after we do it, even just one session, people are like, wow, it's, it was so amazing. I didn't expect it to be right. this way. Yeah. It's just really like an amazing feeling to clear out the stuff that you didn't need. And you're like, oh, but I, I thought I needed that. <laughs> and, right. And, <laughs> or you, right. you and had it, really come to rely weight, on it right? in some way. Yeah. yeah. If you feel um, lighter. Exactly, so 100%. Feel lighter and, 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 and so the things that we can sort of set into routines and habits it, that, that you can function on autopilot, your brain is, feels lighter. It lightens the load because ADHD takes a big um, toll on the brain. 100%. So let's talk about 
who you specialize in helping. You specialize in helping women and teenage girls. So let's right. talk about the real, we talked, we just touched on it a little bit, but let's really go through what is the difference between how ADHD presents itself in women and girls and men and um, the stages of like diagnoses. Like I know there's probably a lot of women that you work with that maybe are undiagnosed or, or need to be diagnosed or how can we figure out if right. it's something that we actually have or you actually have? <laughs> okay. Um, so let's start with some um, differences. Okay. The name ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is actually a misnomer in general. That's the name that those are the symptoms that are used in the um, DSM to identify uh, the disorder, hyperactivity, and a deficit of attention. But even, but for for any adult with ADHD, um, the hyperactivity, men and women, the hyperactivity is is more in your head, um, and it's it's not it's not even for kids, even for those inattentive type kids without the hyperactivity, when they're dreaming, it's they don't have a problem with how much attention it, it, it's a problem with regulating their attention to to the task that they're supposed to be so for both men and women there's so much more to adhd than just difficulty paying attention um a major symptom is disorganization okay um so it's a struggle to organize possessions household and family schedules priorities finances we see a difficulty managing time and tasks uh, we see disordered thoughts, and that looks like forgetfulness okay. and difficulty making decisions because your head is so full and it's hard. Um, a, a weak um, what's it, working memory is mm -hmm. very often a symptom of ADHD, and that means manipulating thoughts in your head. So if you're trying to make a decision, um, trying to manipulate all the pros and cons in your head is hard when your head is very overloaded. Okay. So all this often leads to overwhelm, burnout, and um, in women, because women tend to internalize their ADHD, we often, it often produces se secondary symptoms of anxiety or depression. So um, why is this? Girls are socialized in our culture to, be, to toe the line more than boys. Uh, they're expected more to be the polite people pleasers. So, so girls... Students, a kid, what uh, children and teenage girls with ADHD, they're more likely than a, the, a lot of the boys to to be motivated to keep up with everyone around them. But okay. in order to stay on par, they need to put in four hundred percent effort. So if you feel like everything just takes so much more effort than it seems to take everybody else, then that could be a sign. Okay. Um, and we said that the boys externalize it more by acting out, expressing anger. Um, and uh, so hyperactivity in your head can look like restlessness of thought, uh, difficulty falling asleep at night. Dif so difficulty letting go of your thoughts. Okay. Uh, difficulty staying focused and present. Um, and sometimes it can be like a sense of unease at doing nothing, like a, a, a really uncomfortableness um, at being bored and in, that, that mm. you can't tolerate being bored. 
some girls, it's expressed as hypertalkativeness. Okay. Um, instead of hyperactivity, uh, saying things without thinking, blurting out answers, and um, emotional reactivity is another big, um, a big symptom. People with ADHD feel things very deeply. They find it harder to regulate their emotions, to let go of something that's bothering them, to to remember the good emotions that to access good emotions to motivate them so there's that difficulty regulating your emotion so I hope I've given a bit of a picture yeah no for sure well I so if you if you have not been diagnosed if you suspect you have ADHD can you still benefit from working with you even without a diagnosis and if you would like a diagnosis how do you go about getting one so just know if you have it or not First, right. So first of all, the import, some of the important reasons I would suggest for getting a diagnosis is, uh, first of all, if you're a teenage girl, then in this country, uh, there might be accommodations that you could get with a diagnosis. You could okay. get your, uh, for Baguriot, you could get your spelling, uh, you know, mistakes ignored. You could get e- extra time on certain things. Um, so, so that would be one reason to get a diagnosis. Another reason to get a diagnosis is if you're considering medication. Um, medication is just, you know, they have the saying in ADHD coaching that the pills are not the skills. The medication can give you the fuel to focus on your goals, but okay. you still need all the strategies to, um, you know, you need all the other strategies around you for your life. The, the, the medication is, is part of the the treatment, not all the treatment. And then the third reason, which is really important with uh, adult women, why a diagnosis might help you, is that we walk around with all this shame that why is it so easy for for my neighbor to keep her house clean? Why, why, Why am I forgetting? Why am I being so ditzy? Why do I forget these things? Why can't I organize my kids' schedules without, you know, forgetting to send them lunch? Mm -hmm. We walk around with all this shame and the diagnosis turns that from um, your actions from it turns it away from being a moral issue to being a, a medical, a biochemical issue in your brain. Right. So um, it takes away yeah. the shame because it's not it really your shortcomings per se. Or that there's a reason. Yeah. yeah, there's an acceptable medical reason for for your weaknesses. If someone decides not to take medication, can they still benefit from ADHD coaching? Sure. I, most of my clients that I've worked with um, don't take medication. You see, the thing with medication is um, for when you're in school or when you're in uh, what you high school, mm-hmm. right? It, the things that you have to study is a very broad, there's a very broad spectrum of things and some things interest you and things, some things don't interest you. Right. And so you would need that, that extra fuel to help you achieve and concentrate in the areas that don't inherently interest you because interest <laughs> is something that fires up the ADHD brain. Okay. The hope is that when you leave school, your self-esteem is, is good enough that you feel, and you're aware of your strengths enough 
that you can direct your life more into a, uh, you can direct your life to spend more time in your strengths. You would choose a suitable occupation. You would know what to outsource and what, where to spend most of your time in your strengths. So the more you can spend time in your strengths as an adult, uh, the less you would need that medication for, um, for focusing on things that aren't inherently interesting. Mm -hmm. But I definitely see, sorry, I definitely see medication as a, as a pair of glasses. It's, uh, you know, it can be very, um, it can help people sort the thoughts out in the head, focus on one thing at a time. Exactly. See more clearly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, a lot of my listeners, they themselves suffer from ADHD, but some of the combinations are either they have very mild or their husband and their, and their husband has it, or they don't really suffer from it, but their husbands do. So I know that a lot of my clients feel very overwhelmed, even if they don't have ADHD that their husbands do, and they don't know really how to approach with their husbands. Is there some advice you can give on how to deal with a spouse who has ADHD if you don't, or if you both have ADHD? Um, so yeah, this is kind of in the realm of, uh, what's coming to mind of relationships is, okay. um, you know, they call it meserani. You know, if something's uh, bothering you and, and something that you need to change, you would start by saying how this clutter or this mess affects you. You speak from, I, when I see this, this, uh, our bedroom looking the way it does how do how does it make you feel and what does it mean for you mm-hmm. um and uh i think it's worthwhile then sometimes it's worthwhile for the spouse to learn also the specific adhd hacks that can um that can support the, okay, yeah, the husband okay. yeah okay support them to to keep up the systems I guess that the systems that you create, um, you obviously need to or, or have the spouse um, involved in understanding how the systems work as well. Okay. Um, before we get into some tips and tricks, I have another just question about manifestation of ADHD. So yeah. I know that like we get these feelings sometimes that, you know, we're, we're not good enough, but can it lead to like full on depression or anxiety? And is it sometimes better to treat the anxiety slash depression or whatever the other um, issues are that are coming because of the ADHD? Or is it, I know this is like a very personal thing. You would obviously have to discuss it with your doctor, but like when we're seeking treatment, I guess, how is the, what is, who do we speak to? I think that a lot of times people don't even know like where to go when we're speaking to looking for treatment. I mean, is this something that a therapist does a psychiatrist, a psychologist who does it? I mean, a lot of the people are listening in Israel, but most of the people are listening in the United States and other parts of the world. So, I mean, obviously a more like, uh, just who who are the people who are supposed to support us in in general? So So start really looking. I understand that 
you know, if, if it's a diagnosis you're looking for, okay. then a psychiatrist is, is the place to start. Okay. Uh, and obviously, I would recommend you read up on the psychiatrist and figure, or, or ask, interview them before and find out how much they know about uh, ADHD because it's all um, adult ADHD and especially women with ADHD. It's, it's a relatively new field. Okay. So ideally, you want someone who's on top of that. Um, in terms of dealing with depression or anxiety, sometimes a psychiatrist can figure out for you, like the chicken and the egg right. situation. Is it, okay. um, you know, is it primarily depression or anxiety because of your brain makeup, or is it secondary uh, symptom of all the omes of all the um, the overwhelm with ADHD? Okay. Uh, and often, I the the ideal situation would be for a coach and a therapist to, and maybe a personal organizer also to work in tandem. Okay. As you said, um, because uh, therapy will deal with emotional healing and all the scars that, that um, you know, the years of overwhelm and frustration have created. Mm -hmm. The coaching is more practical. The coaching is moving forward, um, uh, doing things, problem solving. Right, right. And, yeah. It's funny because I actually have said on the program before in episode 75, I went through um, the different stages of what I feel to be hoarding. And I right. said, if you're a level four, that I would never ever work with you if you were a level four, unless you were actively seeking help with a therapist right. and, and um, a psychiatrist, because level fours are people who are like diagnosed hoarders and like it's a real diagnosis. Yeah. And like, I can't help you alone. So if you, um, I mean, obviously any ADHD coach with integrity would be like, I can't exactly. help you unless you go back and do right. X, Y, and Z. Same thing with any personal organizer with integrity would recognize when they can't actually help somebody unless they're getting additional right. support. But um, I mean, obviously yeah, I've told somebody to that before well, they were sort of coming to you or you would gently say that to them. But like, I think sometimes yeah. people really just don't get it that it's a multifaceted approach yeah. that needs to happen so that they can get their best results. Right. Sometimes therapy, can, I've sent a client, I have, before I took her on, I, you know, we had a little conversation and sometimes the therapy can prime you to be ready for coaching. Uh, coaching is, um, is only really effective when you're at the point that you are going to take responsibility for your life. You are, are going to be pre proactive um, without too much emotional block, too many, too many emotional issues uh, blocking you from, from taking action and moving forward. So sometimes the therapy can prime a person to be ready for coaching. Sometimes mm -hmm. they can work together that the, something that is, if something that's if the thing that's holding you back that's blocking you is uh, is primarily emotional, then the therapist would work with that. If the thing that's primarily blocking you is um, are practical difficulties, then it would be more in the realm of coaching. But I, in an ideal world, they work they'll work well together. A hundred percent. A lot of my clients say to me that. They know that they have this issue and uh, they see it sort of manifesting itself in their children and yeah. 
because they don't have it under control, they're, they feel like they're setting a bad example for their children. Um, Whether or not the children have ADHD or not, but oftentimes it's, you know, sort of genetic where one has in the next generation. um, What are things that moms can do to assist children who have it, even while they're getting treatment for it, trying to work out um, the issues? How, how can we say to both ourselves and our children, you know, this is okay, we can move past this, there are tips and tricks, and like, I guess, get over the shame, um, right. or sort of be more productive, even while we're dealing with it? Right. Um, I guess it depends on the age of the children, but the whole idea of um, of you leading by example, you know, uh, do what I do. What is it? Do what I do. Don't do. Don't do what I say. Do what I do. Right. Um, and it maybe your kid sees that you have the same morning schedule that you do every day. Not just that they have to, you know, wake up, get dressed, come downstairs, brush their teeth, eat their, you know, whatever. But that you're also doing systematically the same thing every day so that you know, it's you easier for you to, to that? like can kids who have adhd even notice that without you specifically telling them that that's the the way that it is i think that's a personal choice and it depends okay. on the yeah it depends on the age of your kids and how much you you feel comfortable uh sharing weaknesses with your kids i okay. think as they get older i've um I mean, I have a 21-year-old and a 19-year-old and then a 14-year-old and a 7-year-old. And with the two older kids, as as they've really ent- begun to enter adulthood, I've been much more open with my difficulties and with how, what I'm doing to um, address my difficulties. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, when you move from a mother of a child to a mother of a, a parent of a, an adult, right your relationship is going to change. Okay. Uh, but certainly that issue of trying to manage ADHD children when you're struggling yourself is, is a huge uh, hurdle. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it really, so often it starts like, you know, that old adage of uh, put your own oxygen mask on first. It, it starts with, <laughs> you know, um, managing your kids starts with, with managing your, your life, your life. Right. It's funny because when I start with a new client, I always say my favorite place to start with people is the master bedroom. Get yourself mm-hmm. cleaned up first mm-hmm. and then you can teach the kids how to do it. Yeah, yeah. right. It all, uh, yeah. Um, there's one other question I have about this related topic and that is yeah. hu- husbands in general or your spouse in general. So many times I feel like the spouse is like, you should know how to do this. And, um, I, I feel like the spouse sometimes is, is part of like a big point of shame and, um, right. Not always shame, but just like, uh, self deprecation. And I don't even know what the right word is really. Like it just makes the other person feel so bad. And, and the spouse doesn't even necessarily know that they're doing it on purpose, but they're not really supportive. So, what are some things that we can really say to our spouses to, to make it clear that this is not like a made up issue, that this is a real thing that we're suffering from to, to really get what we need from our partners. So um, 
in general, I would definitely say educate yourself and educate your partner about the real the real ADHD. Um, there's a, a fab, fabulous website with uh, all, you can search anything, you'll find it there. It's called Attitude Magazine. It's a website about attitude as in ADD-tude instead of attitude. Uh, okay. Um, and I mean, there's, there's for sure, there are articles there about how to relate with your spouse. Um, how, what are the sort of, what are, what is the background behind ADHD? What are the biochemical causes? Any kind of education um, to move this this idea from the moral concept from the con you know the concept of it's you're unable to do this it's bad mm -hmm. to the fact that it's a skill that you lack. Right. It's not if you lack if you aren't able to throw a ball into the into the net in one shot, right? You're not a bad person. It's a skill that you lack. Right. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so let's switch gears a little. Let's talk about tips and tricks for getting it conquered. Let's, let's look at the positive here. Let's talk about how can we get things out of our head? How can we get our mm -hmm. tasks out of our mind, the circling thoughts that are always happening. Like today I was actually talking to a client today and she said to me, I think about like this one thing and then I think about the next thought and the next thought mm -hmm. and then I have to mm -hmm. circle back to the original first thought and it's wow. so confusing for me. So how can we get out of our heads and get our tasks right. completed? Okay, so I can, I've got about roughly, if we've got time, I've got like eight tips that sort of cover this from start to finish. Yeah, let's go um, through. Let's go, okay, let's go through them. so from start to finish, exactly what you said, how to get things out of your head, um, have one master to-do list. Okay. Do not rely on your head. Don't carry your to-dos in your head. It's a very unreliable hard drive, especially when you're stressed and especially when you internalize everything into your head. Uh, and not hundreds of little pieces of paper. One master list. It's your choice whether you want to have it on paper or uh, in a notebook or on an app. There is, uh, you know, there are hundreds of apps to manage a to-do list. But uh, the idea is that you download this overwhelm from your head onto one master list. Okay. You can copy over your list uh, every few days. Uh, you, so you can rewrite your list every few days, copying over the things that you um, haven't gotten to. And I'm a big fan of a handwritten list because it's known that handwriting actually aids your memory. But okay. having said that. I agree. I love uh, I am right, but I am a big fan of they call it's called the digital sticky note. It's like a post-it that's you know digital. I think I'm not familiar with iPhone, but it's a widget on your on an Android. Okay, that um, you can have the sticky note on your homepage, and you can either keep it for things that you that come into your mind uh, that you need to remember, but you haven't got your master list with you at the time. Or I use it to choose my three top things that I want to get done that day. Mm -hmm. So because your phone is with you most of the time, then it keeps me focused on those three. It keeps me more focused and less, you know, getting distracted down rabbit holes of right. trying to do other things on that day. 100%. Um, getting started when a task is usually... Uh, a lot That's of the, the time, hardest part, getting started is so hard for yeah, most people. Right. A lot of the time, and the reason a lot of the time that getting started is so hard, task initiation is one of the executive functions that are weak in ADHD. 
And um, one of the main reasons is if something's big, overwhelming, it's if something's difficult or you or there are many steps involved and you don't know how to prioritize and order the steps. So the tip is to, is to sit down and break it down into steps so small that you won't feel like procrastinating one. Okay. Um, That's what I How do you eat an elephant? Microtasking. Right. One, but exactly. So for example, you've got a, a huge assignment to write. What's the very first thing you need to do? So small, you won't feel like procrastinating. Is it sitting in your office chair? Great. Good. What's the next tiniest step? Open your computer. Good. What's the next tiniest step? Uh, Load the document. Uh, And usually by steps four and five, you're kind of a little bit more into the flow. You have Um, momentum. Right. You have momentum. Like uh, the... um, I tell uh, my clients that, you know, a rocket ship or a space shuttle, right? It uses 70% of its fuel to launch, to start. Right. Starting is always the, uh, the hardest. But then right. once you launch, then you're cruising. 100%. Um, okay, so that's starting. How mm-hmm. do we stay engaged? How do we stay um, engaged till the end? So there's four um, brain hacks, if you will which are known to, to maintain engagement in a task if it's not inherently um, interesting to you or not inher- you're not passionate about it. Okay. And these four things are challenge, interest, novelty, or value. So I'll give you an example of, of how you can use one of these or more uh, for a task that you're not inherently loving to do. Okay. Challenge, um, how can, could I put on a timer to tr- and try and beat the clock to get this done. Okay. Uh, can I create my own deadline, like inviting company over, and then then I have to have the you know the living room clut- uncluttered or cleared out before they come. Okay. I heard a story about someone who takes her laptop into her car, drives away from her home, and she sits there to work and she challenges herself to get the work done before her laptop battery dies. So <laughs> I do that actually. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. Great. Like, I, ha- I go to a cafe. I have until my battery dies and right. then I, I have right. to be done by then. So that's kind of like, because people are, um, people are easily fired up by deadlines, but if something right. doesn't have a deadline, you create a false deadline, like right. your battery dying. Right. Um, the next thing is interest. How can you make the task more interesting? Can you do it together with someone? Uh, I think this is a lot of this is, is what you do is you come in and you, you, you know, you're, you're doing the decluttering together with them. Right. Um, can you listen to music or a podcast while you're doing it? Uh, novelty means changing things up a bit. Uh, can you work in a different environment like a coffee shop? Can you use a different, I've, I've once even just used a different color font on my computer when I was <laughs> typing something out or use a different pen. Can you do it at right. a different time of day? Micro changes. Right. And the final one is value, which is kind of two stages. The first stage is you try to discover the underlying value in doing and getting this done. Um, what are the benefits of getting this done? What are those benefits going to allow for you? Are you, are the, are you going to be allowed uh, downtime afterwards? Is it going to be good for your family to get this done? Is it going to give you peace of mind? And then the second stage is um, getting creative to stick up, a, to, to get a tangible reminder of this value while you're working. Mm-hmm. For example, um, cleaning the kitchen late at night, when I'm tired is one of the last things I want to do. But the value behind that is 
this peace of mind and calm when I come down in the morning. Right. So in order to remind myself of this, um, of this value, I found a picture of a place that was very calm and peaceful to me and I stuck it up in the kitchen. Okay. Um, if you're, the work that you're going to do is going to uh, get you a bonus maybe or a promotion, right? And it's going to help you benefit your family. Have a picture of your family up on the desktop. Um, like tangible reminders of, right. of what is the benefit. Okay. Uh, uh, two tips on how to stay focused on the task okay. as well. Um, firstly, turn up all, turn off all pop-up notifications on your screen and notifications on your phone. Okay. The only way that like I actually, you know, right. Uh, but, but some, but when I say this to people, sometimes it's like, Oh my God, like it doesn't occur to them right, right. that these, the only way that I actually know that I have a WhatsApp message or a Facebook comment or an email is if I go into the app. These, these like little red dots, um, right. you know, that show you that you have a notification, they're, they're an instant dopamine hit. Oh, and, right. you know, if dopamine is, low, is generally difficult to regulate in the ADHD brain, you want to try and avoid these surreptitious little, uh, you know, things that are calling you for dopamine hits. Okay. So no Absolutely. bells, whistles, signs. Yeah. Uh, and, and then there are some great apps for blocking like web blocking. Yeah. Your focus, like Google rescue time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, there's this cute thing called forest app, which is um, when you're like, you set a certain amount of time that you don't want to be on your phone, let's say an hour, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then if for that hour, you're growing this tree, you're growing your personal forest. But then every time you go into the onto the phone, it will kill your forest or it will kill a tree <laughs> or something. So um, something for kids, Epic Win. There's an app called Epic Win for okay. teenagers. And you, also, you can try it as well. It's like gamification video game. Uh -huh. They video game your task list. Okay. So you've got like quests and challenges for things that you have to do. And it's oh, all, it's cool. like done like that. Um, another way to stay focused while you want to work on one task, I would advise having a piece of paper next to you. And every time a distracting thought comes into your head, oh, I have to buy this, I have to call that person, write it down on the piece of paper and take one minute to evaluate, is this thing urgent and important enough to pull me off my intended task? And if it's not, you can turn back to your original task safe in the knowledge that you've captured what you need to remember and you can turn to it afterwards and put it on your, on your master list. Excellent. Uh, two more things okay. uh, to keep track of, of time. The ADHD brain has trouble conceptualizing time. Okay. So for ADHD, there's only two time frames. It's either now or not now. So to keep track of time while you're working, um, it's very useful to have an analog watch or clock in front of you okay so you can actually see the passing of time a digital clock is just numbers changing but uh, an analog clock you can actually get a more of a feel for the passing of time i would recommend uh, that you wear an 80 uh, you wear an analog watch okay. over a digital watch to get a feel Great for device. that passing of time there's an amazing app that's even better than this called the time timer Okay. Where you'll type in any amount of time that you want, and it, it very visually shows you how much time you have left and how much time you've spent. Oh, so you great. can look into that time timer. Okay. And uh, my final tip is about how to end a task. 
that you're having trouble moving away from, uh, that you're having trouble letting go of because of hyper-focus. Okay. Um, often this trouble letting go comes from um, perfectionism. Okay. Many people with ADHD suffer from perfectionist thinking because of the years and years of, of feeling like they have to put in more effort, try harder. And so their task either has to be perfect or not. Well, they, they conceive it as either perfect or not done at all. Right. But I encourage people to think in terms of all that gray that's in between the black of having nothing done and the white of having it done perfectly. Okay. So instead of letting perfect be the standard that you're going to use to know when to stop, give yourself other standards like a time limit. Okay. I'm going to work on this for two hours or another quantifiable limit. Um, I'm going to stop after a certain number of words or let's say you're um, researching holiday destinations. I'm going to stop after I've checked out a certain number of options. Uh, if you're doing research, I'm going to stop after I've consulted a certain number of sources because perfect isn't quantifiable or realistic. I always say perfect is the enemy of done. <laughs> absolutely exactly <laughs> it's like right. sometimes it, it doesn't exactly. it just needs to get done and like if right. it, I know a lot of people yeah. say that to me they're like I can't do it perfectly I know I can't do it perfectly so right. like, I know I can't clean my house perfectly or tidy my house perfectly so I just don't do it right and that right. hurts so, them more than if they just would have done it yeah. not well a little right. bit you know so sometimes we t uh, it's important for us to talk about what does good enough actually look like? Not just say, you know, try to do it good enough, but what does that actually mean uh, technically? Uh, what does it mean? Toys off the floor, clear surfaces, you know, and what is good enough? What is good enough going to physically look like? Right. And sometimes after we talk about that for a bit, it's easier to, to, to aim for good enough. Right. I, I agree. And, and it's, a, it's actually an important goal because it saves us from like, not from doing Absolutely. nothing really. For sure. For <laughs> sure. Analysis paralysis. Is what oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Alana, is there any final thoughts you want to offer us to make us more productive or to really help the ADHD woman or teenage girl or even man out there right. listening um, with things that can really make us um, as yeah. motivated, productive, uh, managed, self-managed, if you will. Right. Right. So I would say um, your best friend, one of your best friends is autopilot. Okay. Um, what is that? You know, if habits, routine, okay. doing things, <laughs> doing things on autopilot, so that you don't have to keep making decision making is exhausting. <laughs> when you don't, True. when you don't have to keep deciding when am I going to clean the floors, when am I going to do the laundry, uh, when am I going to work? When you've got systems in place that and you routine. know, right? Routines in place, um, then, then. Right, it just it lightens the load on the brain, and in turn, it's actually interesting because a lot of the time when we start building daily routines with my clients, they when they start trying it out at home, they'll come back and they'll say they feel a little bit stifled or it's boring to follow the same routine every day. But this is actually really a bit of a paradox here. But 
I try to get them to look at routines and habits as a means to an end Mm -hmm. that it's precisely this routine and structure that will allow them that time that that other spontaneous time in their life for creativity for Mm -hmm. things that they love for for recreation uh and to follow their passions that you kind of need both you need these routines and and structures and habits in order to also create this time for following your passion my mom always used to say to me do what you need to do first so you could do what you want to do after and i think right and that's called creating time that's called that that's called not waiting for time to be able to do what you want but actually creating and carving out the time right for doing what you want right 100 percent yeah Alana Slotstern, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Uh, My pleasure. Alana has offered my listeners to Journey to Organization a free download on how to hack your brain to make procrastination a thing of the past. You can get it by going to balaganbegone.com forward slash 87. That's B-A-L-A-G-A-N-B-E-G-O-N-E.com forward slash 87. You can contact Alana directly through her website, www.thriveadhd.co.il. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, A-D-H-D.co.il. Or you can contact her via phone or WhatsApp at 054-755-0747. Alana runs self-management workshops for mothers age 35 to 50-ish, about living life on purpose, getting back into the driver's seat. My, her motto is, run your life so it doesn't run you. To join, you can contact Ilana directly at thriveadhd at gmail.com, T-H-R-I-V-E-A-D-H-D at gmail.com. You can also contact Ilana to set up coaching live in person in her Modine office or for a video chat. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.